Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to the next iced coffee date. Although I don't have an iced coffee because I'm recording this in the afternoon because I had a busy morning and I didn't get it in. So hopefully I can do this without an iced coffee in my hand. (laughs) Um, But anyways, today we are talking about low cortisol and I'm going to share my story um, because this is something that I have been struggling with for years. Um, Actually, struggling with for years, but doing a lot better. And this is also something I have been seeing on so many Dutch tests lately, as far as clients go. I probably have, I've probably read four or five tests in the last couple weeks where I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all this low cortisol. Let's talk about this. Let's share this. And I shared a few details in my stories last week and I got a ton of messages about it. So I'm like, okay, let's put this all into a podcast to help people. And so all this information is in the same place. And like I said, I lived this and living low cortisol sucks. (laughs) Like you are just so tired. You have no energy. Your motivation is blah. Um, You're dragging ass every single day. And I just feel like so many women come to me with a lot of these symptoms and I'm like, all right, let's, let's share all of this. So, um, like I said, I'm going to share my personal story. I'm going to share symptoms. I'm going to share what to do. If I end up yammering on too long, this might be a two part (laughs) podcast episode because I really do have a lot to say about this Um, and I do think it's really really common Um, and what I've been seeing um, is I mean maybe it's not I mean maybe it's just because I can relate to these women but a lot of similar characteristics as far as women who are kind of type A they are doers they like to check things off their to-do list they kind of think they can do everything Um, and we do kind of get into this mode where we are almost like super women and like super women super women super women Um, but we're doing all the things and this is what I was talking about in my Instagram stories is that high cortisol, which we are so used to hearing about, like high cortisol, high stress, high blood sugar, they all kind of like go hand in hand, but high cortisol will eventually become low cortisol. And I personally experienced this, but you will, you know, you feel like you can do all the things, you have that adrenaline, you have that energy, and cortisol is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's our natural stress response. And so when we go through some sort of stressful phase, our cortisol increases um, and it gets us through through, you know, that public speaking event that we have to do, or we get in a car accident and we have to like deal with things. Um, it gives us energy for when we need it, but in theory, that cortisol raises to get us through that stressful event, gives us adrenaline, all that good stuff. And then it's supposed to go back to normal, kind of back to this like homeostasis where the body is calm and it's not stressed out. But now, just the way our lives are and just what women expect of themselves, we are kind of constantly always stressed out. It's almost like chronic stress slash low grade stress all the time. And stress comes from obviously work. (laughs) I think work is very stressful. Relationships, um, children, especially little children who have a lot of needs. Um, Under eating, over exercise, not sleeping, 
um, gut issues, um, thyroid issues, all of these things are stress on the body. So we kind of are just living our lives with this chronic stress that's going on and on. And so, like I said, temporarily, you might feel awesome. You know, you might be able to handle all the things. So I think about my 20s and 30s. <laughs> I can handle the things. I can do all the things. Um, but eventually, you start to notice that you have like a racing heart a little bit more often. And I mean, I can very much relate to this where I was trying to cram in things before work or like in between meetings and I would be racing to run errands and my heart would just be like beating so fast. And it was almost like my body was in this kind of like stressed out state all the time that I needed to get all these things done quickly before I had a call or a meeting. But I just felt like my heart was racing more than I had ever noticed. Um, I started to have dry skin. Um, I think I talked about it. I was having like weird like eczema patches over my eyes like so weird and random and I was getting like patches down here and stuff. My hair was falling out. Um, my skin um, was breaking out a ton. My nails were breaking and like almost like brittle, like they were kind of like almost like peel off, like I was having nail issues. Um, I had no patience with my family. I, I've talked about this before, but I'd be like yelling at the dog and I'm like, why am I yelling at the dog? I mean, he's a dumb, perfect dog. <laughs> It's very cute, not the smartest. That's the thing about pugs. Um, I started to gain weight like on my, in, like my belly area, and that's not like typically an area where I gain weight. I was also seeing cellulite on the front of my thighs, um, something I hadn't experienced in the past. Um, and I wasn't doing anything different. Like I was eating pretty healthy, I was exercising, going to the gym, but the only thing that was different is that I was just stressed to the max. I mean, I had like multiple jobs, I was you know, writing a book, I was doing way too much high intensity exercise. It was just all these stressful things um, were just adding to that high cortisol. And it's funny because I have been running Dutch tests on myself for years now and I shared some of those on Instagram and I did see those high cortisol tests. Like, yes, your body is stressed to the max. Your body is pushing out all this cortisol. Um, it's doing what it needs to do. You know, it's keeping up with the demands and what you're asking of it. Um, but like I said, high cortisol becomes low cortisol. Um, so somewhere in all of this, um, I ran another Dutch test with um, Ryan uh, Monahan, who is a fellow FDN, but he's been an FDN for a million years, and I'm convinced he knows everything. But we ran a Dutch, I don't know, in 2020, probably in 2020. Um, and I remember seeing that my high cortisol had gone down. And in my head, I'm like, ooh, I'm managing my stress better. Um, and he even said to me, he was like, well, this could be your high cortisol going to low cortisol. It doesn't necessarily mean normal cortisol. And like, looking back at that time in my life, I was not managing stress well at all. I mean, that was literally my high cortisol going to low cortisol. And that's the thing, I just feel like we don't realize all the things that are stressing us out. I mean, you guys know, I used to work one million hours. I mean, I used to work every weekend and wake up at four in the morning, sometimes three in the morning to work because I just had so much on my plate. But I don't think we realize all of the other things that can be stressful. I mean, relationships, I mean, um, 
like kids waking up during the night, you know, waking you up, you're not getting a full night of sleep, um, not eating throughout the day. I see this all the time with women where they're like, oh, I just forgot to eat or didn't have time to eat. Like you need calories, especially if you were somebody who was active. Um, this intermittent fasting and, you know, working out fasting, that is super stressful. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe for some people, but I mean, if you are in your menstruating years, um, I don't think any of that is good for you. And the thing about, um, stress is that it plays a major role in chronic diseases, autoimmune issues, um, metabolism issues, blood sugar issues. So if you're somebody that is struggling with an autoimmune disease, thyroid issue, um, weight loss resistance, um, you're kind of hungry all the time because you have crazy blood sugar, um, all relates back to stress. And I know managing stress, easier said than than done, but a lot of this comes from this cortisol um, that can go high too low. Um, but another reason, I mean, in addition, I mean, I have so many things to say about this, but I hear from so many women who are diagnosed with some sort of autoimmune disease after some sort of stressful event or a period of time that is really, really stressful. And I can 100% say that when I was diagnosed with UC, I was going through um, a really stressful time in my life. And I, I don't think it was one thing, it was kind of all the things. Um, obviously my job was insane, um, I wasn't taking care of myself, my gut was a mess, I was drinking a lot of beer, um, not sleeping, doing a ton of endurance training, I was training for marathons. All of these things are stress on the body. So it kind of makes sense that, yeah, some sort of major illness or chronic disease can happen when you are stressed. Um, the other thing I was gonna point out is a reason to pay attention to this is because if you are in those menstruating years, um, it is really important to manage stress because when you are going into perimenopause and menopause, um, it can make things that much worse. And obviously like you're gonna feel these changes hormonally and those transitions and everything, and that's normal. But to have it be a miserable experience can very much be related to stress. So anybody in their 40s, early 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, who are like dealing with these hormonal shifts, stress could be making it so much worse. So that's why I wanted to talk about it too. Um, but anyways, I wanted to talk about some of the common symptoms, um, and I'll talk about my story a little bit too. Um, like I said, I have a lot to say about this topic just because I have lived it. I feel like I'm coming out on the other side feeling a whole lot better, um, but it took time. I mean, it took years to fix all this, and obviously, I mean, it's not like it happened overnight that I went from having no normal cortisol to high cortisol to low cortisol. I mean, all of this takes time, but if you don't manage that stress, um, yeah, it can happen, it can happen. Because basically what happens is um, your HPA access, um, your adrenals, you know, adrenal fatigue, that idea is kind of what happens, but it's more um, the HPA access. And it will keep pushing out cortisol as much as it can, um, and it will keep up with the stress, but it just gets to a point where the body's like, nope, I can't keep doing this thing that you wanted to do, I'm exhausted, this is where that idea of adrenal fatigue happens, but your HPA axis as far as your brain, um, your pituitary glands, your um, adrenals, like it just stops pushing out cortisol, and eventually high cortisol becomes low cortisol. So if you're experiencing um, low cortisol, some of the common symptoms, are, which I've been seeing in clients and personally, is that you just have this lower ability to exercise or you just 
don't have that same motivation. And I hear it all the time from women like, oh, I used to be able to run five miles or I used to run half marathons and marathons. And now the thought of doing that is exhausting. Or now I have to run walk my three miles instead of running the whole thing. And that's because the body can't keep pushing out that cortisol. It doesn't have that same get up and go and drive and even the motivation around working out. Um, it's almost like you don't have that same I don't even know, drive to work out, like you're not as motivated to work out, or the sound of doing hard exercise or lifting heavy things is just not there. Um, and kind of something that goes hand in hand is difficulty recovering from hard workouts. Um, like you're super duper sore. You're like, I used to do this type of workout and it wouldn't make me sore, and now I'm doing this workout and I'm so sore. Um, that's another um, symptom of low cortisol, and I was very much there. Like I couldn't do workouts that I used to do. Um, and I went through a long time where I was like, I'm not running, I have no energy to run. And you guys know I used to train for math marathons, half marathons, I think one, one month I did like four half marathons in a month. Like, it's probably why I have low cortisol because of crap like that. Um, other symptoms are um, depression, anxiety, like just having like this like low grade anxiety or worry all the time. I definitely experienced that like laying in bed, like worrying about things. Um, I didn't have that same like happy mood that I have now. Like now I'm kind of just like always happy, which is annoying to hear because I used to hate those people. I'm like, how are you happy all the time? Um, but I do remember like just being annoyed at Mal's existence. <laughs> and it's because I was struggling with low hormones, low cortisol, low progesterone. And of course, if you have low hormones, you're probably gonna have, or low cortisol, you're probably gonna have low hormones too. So those kind of go hand in hand. Sleep issues were definitely a problem for me um, because low cortisol goes hand in hand um, with blood sugar issues. So I was waking up in the middle of the night, my stomach was growling, I couldn't get back to bed because I was so hungry and had to get up and I'd have like a bowl of cereal and go back to bed. Um, but it's because my blood sugar was so out of whack. And this is something I've been seeing on Dutch Test too, is that morning reading where they're taking um, of reading their cortisol, there are elevated levels. And that's because blood sugar is dropping so low overnight um, that cortisol will increase. So we'll see high cortisol numbers for that morning um, reading, which very much points to there's something going on with blood sugar and cortisol. Um, memory issues, so like br brain fog and just being kind of like a space cadet about things, very much related to cortisol because you don't have that same alertness. Um, you might feel, fatigue, um, low energy, I think that's kind of the key one, um, especially with my clients, is that they have trouble getting out of bed, it just takes them forever to get going in the morning, they need coffee to get going, or they need to work out in the morning to get energy, um, and then if they work out, um, a lot of times that workout will exhaust them, or like they'll feel okay maybe mid-morning, and then two o'clock, three o'clock comes, and they're just so tired, they're napping, they're having more caffeine, um, it's kind of this vicious cycle of being exhausted and using stimulants to keep going. Um, low libido, I think that's another key one because yeah, if your body is in a stressed out state, you are not gonna be thinking about sexy time and reproducing. Again, if you have low um, cortisol, you're gonna have low hormones. So it makes perfect sense that you are not gonna be in the mood at all. Um, pain and inflammation can be elevated. Like you start to have like 
hip pain, back pain, like shoulder pain, like weird pains that you haven't had in the past. Again, could be going back to um, cortisol because cortisol is actually anti-inflammatory. So if you think about um, like getting like a cortisone shot in your shoulder or your hip or something like that, it brings down the inflammation. Um, same with taking prednisone, brings down the inflammation. So if your cortisol is low, you might be experiencing more pain, more inflammation issues with that. Um, low blood sugar, like I said, um, issues with blood sugar goes hand in hand with cortisol issues because if uh, cortisol um, gets low, blood sugar will go up. If blood sugar is high, cortisol will go low, which is true too. So if you um, are having low blood sugar, eating some carbs or something like that can bring it back up and you might feel better or you might go back to sleep in my case. <laughs> Um, low blood pressure. So this was another one for me is where I would get up off the couch and I would get dizzy. Um, or just like random times I would just feel kind of like lightheaded and like a little bit unstable. That can very much be related to low blood sugar. Um, inability to get through the day without caffeine or other stimulants. I talked about that one. Um, oh, poor immunity. This is something that I experienced too, that I was just getting sick all the time. Like every little cold that Quinn would get, I would get 10 times worse and it would take forever to go away. So just getting random infections, random allergies start popping up. You're like getting hives out of nowhere. You're getting sick. Um, I think that's another one. Um, salt cravings, I think is another um, common cra craving that women experience that you just want like chips and salty things. Um, and that's because when you are stressed, um, some of the first um, minerals that you lose are salt, potassium, magnesium. Um, those are kind of the key ones. So replenishing those things are really important. So the example that I give my clients is that if you were running a marathon or half marathon or something like that, your body will literally get salty when you are sweating because salt is one of the first things that you you lose. Um, and of course, like at the end of the race, if you like collapse or like you need help, the first thing they're going to give you is some sort of electrolyte. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, like stuff like that um, to replenish your body. Like you literally need these things to live. Um, so it makes sense if you have low cortisol, you might be craving more salty things. You could also be craving more sugary things because you don't have the same energy, you don't have that same get up and go um, and crazy blood sugar. Like the first thing you're going to crave is sugar. Um, and then finally, um, the inability to handle stress. And man, I felt this. Like when I had the high cortisol, I feel like I could do it all. I was a little bit lunatic-y, <laughs> just like running around doing all the things. Um, but when I had the low cortisol, I felt like I couldn't handle it. Like the littlest things would like make me crazy. Like I remember this one time that Murphy like came in the house and his like the little poop bag on the end of his leash like exploded and broke open and all the bags went everywhere and we like lost the top and everything and I just like not that I like had a meltdown over it. I was just like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Just, it was like the dumbest thing, but I like kind of lost my mind about it because I just couldn't handle that situation. And I just remember thinking, this is so dumb. Why am I freaking out about this? You know what I mean? It's like one of those situations where you're like, what? Why was my response like that? Why did I, you know, have this reaction? And it was like, I just couldn't handle stressful situations. Um, and now I feel like I'm the person that handles the stressful situations in our house. I'm a lot more chill, um, a lot more patient, and I don't get upset about like little things like that. Uh, but those are kind of like the common common symptoms. Um, and then as far as some of the possible reasons why you have low cortisol, um, it, it's going to be chronic stress. 
a hundred percent and chronic stress could be like the usual mental emotional you know work is stressful your relationship is stressful um you're worried about covid pandemic you're worried about your kids i think all of that is just mental stress and something that helped me was realizing that i control my thoughts which sounds like kind of like cool <laughs> like the monkey mind you got to control it but i could either lay in bed and worry about all the things that i could worry about or i could lay in bed and think about being on a beach or snuggling with Murphy or not thinking about all those terrible things. And it's not that I'm just like ignoring them or, you know, avoiding them. It's not that it's just, you know, the time to sleep or the time to be present with your family, um, to be present and not worry about those things. And there's a time and a place to do those. And this whole idea of managing stress, like I went through years, maybe even decades of my life, people telling me you need to manage your stress. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll get there. Um, but it wasn't until I couldn't leave my house um, that I finally was like, I need to change things. And I don't want anybody to get to that point because I was going to the bathroom 30 plus times a day. I would stop counting at 30. So, I mean, there was probably times I was going 40 times a day or 50 times a day and I was bleeding to death and I had urgency and it was awful, um, but it took, me and my body to get to that place before I actually decided to manage stress. So if you were somebody that was like, my job is killing me, um, my situation, my marriage, whatever it is is killing me, make some big moves and change it. Like you have control of your life um, and you have control over what your brain thinks or doesn't think. So um, this is just a push for you to do what you need to do to manage that stress. Um, other forms of stress are over-exercise. Um, this is where um, I have talked about overtraining. I was a girl that went to CrossFit six days a week and I would run to CrossFit and run home. It was a good five miles back when I lived in Weymouth. Um, so I was that lunatic that was working out all the time, crushing my body, and I was convinced it wasn't affecting me. I didn't, it didn't matter, you know, I was fine. I could handle it. And that's when you have high cortisol, you can handle it. But overexercise, so just putting that extra stress on your body. And I know I, I probably come across as a hater of all high intensity exercise, and that's not the case at all. Um, high intensity exercise is great, but if you are somebody that's struggling with high or low cortisol, um, it's just adding to the problem. It is making things worse. Um, so that's why I've done a number of reels about waking up in the morning and doing high intensity cardio on an empty stomach after you've been fasting. I'm like, ugh. That's gonna make things so much worse. Don't do that. Um, and that's why I've talked about Orange Theory and Peloton. And I don't hate those workouts. They're very fun. I like them. Um, but if you're somebody who has a very stressful life, you're wondering if you have high cortisol or low cortisol, doing those workouts can make you feel better temporarily because yes, when you do a workout, you're gonna increase your cortisol, you're gonna have that adrenaline. Um, but then after that workout, you could feel 10 times worse as far as symptoms and everything. And I talk to women all the time who are like, yeah, I do my workout in the morning, I feel a lot better, and in the afternoon I have to take a nap or I need to like have a cup of coffee. And that is your body telling you that it is overly stressed and the exercise is too much for you. Um, and yes, I have, I have lived this. <laughs> I have lived this and I can tell you taking a break from the exercise, having more rest days um, can make all the difference. And I'll talk about what to do. I think I'm actually going to put it in a separate episode because this is kind of getting long. Um, and I do have a lot of things to say about what you can do. 
Um, not sleeping is a major stress on the body. Um, I have talked about this before. I was that person that was like, oh, five hours of sleep, that's fine, I can handle that. And I did handle that for a very long time. I mean, I remember in high school getting like three hours of sleep because I was up late studying and I had soccer and I didn't get home to late and whatever it was, but I did that for many years. Even in college, I wasn't sleeping, you know, like having fun with my friends and then being like, oh, I gotta study for a test and then having the test super early in the morning or whatever it was. Um, but I lived off five hours or less, or less of sleep for many, many years and I really think if you're struggling with low cortisol, you probably need like eight hours or more and you need to sit your butt on the couch a lot more often as far as rest goes. Um, eating a low fat or low carb diet, also very stressful on the body because the way it works as far as macros and whatnot, protein building blocks, amino acids, great for building muscle, repairing muscles, cell help, all that good stuff. Carbs and fat are your fuel sources and they're kind of interchangeable and that's why some people do really well with a high carb diet. Some people do well with a high fat diet and vice versa. But if you are not eating enough of those things, um, you're somebody who's afraid of carbs or afraid of fat and you're you know, an active individual, like you need carbs, but if you are not eating these things, it is very stressful on the body. So a history of low fat diets or a history of low carb diets, especially if you are exercising, um, can be really stressful on the body. And people who have low cortisol, I'm typically telling them to eat more carbs and probably more fat depending on their diet, but eating way more carbs. So um, fruits and roots. And I, I'll save this for the second, second part of this podcast because I really do have a lot to say about it. Um, and then of course there are things like cortisol suppressing medications like prednisone, antidepressants, stuff like that. Um, but those are all reasons for low cortisol. But I would say like 99% of people, it is some sort of stress that you have been living and dealing with chronically for a long time. So um, I'm gonna wrap things up here just because like I said, I just have a lot to say about this topic and I still wanna talk about how to test cortisol. There are multiple ways to test cortisol um, and what to do about it. And I wanted to give you some actionable things um, that you can do um, you know, on your own or with your practitioner. And these are things that I have personally done and things that I recommend to my clients. So I will save that for the second part. Um, and I hope you guys found this helpful as far as what low cortisol is all about, why it happens, um, and it very much goes back to stress and stress management. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode. All right, here we go. Part two of all about low cortisol. <laughs> so the first part was all about symptoms, things you might experience, why it happens, um, a little bit of my personal story. Um, and this episode is all about what to do about low cortisol. And I wanna start out by saying it is not a quick fix. I mean, if you think about what it took for you to get to low cortisol, that didn't happen overnight. You had high cortisol for a while, you were going through stressful periods of time, and eventually your body said, nope, can't keep doing the cortisol thing anymore, and you ended up with low cortisol and all of those symptoms, which I think are actually worse than the high cortisol symptoms, at least in my opinion. Um, but anyways, what to do about this? And I'll talk a little bit about my own experience, but number one is identifying the sources of stress and managing it, which easier said than done. Like I said before, um, I ignored all this stuff for many years. I really did think I was superwoman and I was different than everybody else and I didn't need to sleep and I didn't need to hire a team and I could do all the things and wake up at four in the morning and work on the weekends and do Orange Theory and 
write a book and have a million clients and become an FDN and like all the things that I was doing at once. It was insane. But I just thought I was different and special and I can handle it all. Um, I, I really truly believe that until it just got so bad that my body was like, nope, you are, you are not doing this and I'm not going to let you do this anymore. But um, managing stress. And I can tell you the first thing that I did I mean, yes, I hired a team. That was really, really important. Um, but I just prioritized sleep. So Quinn goes to bed at 8 o'clock. Um, and sometimes I go to bed at 8.30. I go put him to bed and I put myself to bed and do my best to sleep through the night. And in the beginning, it was hard because I was waking up a lot. I had some like... Obviously, some cortisol stuff going on, blood sugar stuff going on, hormone stuff going on. Um, but now, you know, it's like a year later and I am sleeping through the night, no issues. Um, it's all good, but prioritizing sleep, like literally getting into bed. Um, and then also really kind of starting a bedtime routine was good for me um, because during the day I was a lunatic. I was running around, I was doing one million things. Um, and then I would get to bedtime and be like, okay, body go to sleep. And sometimes it wasn't that easy. And I would lay in bed and worry about things and do mental to-do lists and all that. Um, but starting that that routine at bedtime, and sometimes like I take a hot shower, sometimes I journal, sometimes I read. I got a weighted blanket, which I thought was hilarious when Mal bought it for me. Now it's like my favorite thing, but it can be very calming on the body and the nervous system and all that. Um, but now I do certain things to really help me wind down and sleep has been so much better. Now I just sleep. <laughs> it's like not an issue. But really prioritizing that was huge because like I said, I just was the person that was like, I don't need to sleep. I'm good. I can do all the things. The other thing um, that has been really good was laying off the high intensity exercise, which I know for somebody who likes exercise is really, really hard. And for years, for years, people were like, you shouldn't run marathons, you shouldn't run half marathons, you shouldn't do CrossFit, um, you shouldn't do any of this high intensity stuff. And I just ignored them, I really did. And I was I was fine, I felt fine during my workouts um, until I started doing Orange Theory. I think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin where it was like, this is too much for what is going on with your body right now. Um, and the key thing was, I would be okay, like I would go to Orange Theory, like I like Orange Theory, it's really fun, it's a fun workout, like a lot's happening, it's high energy, um, the coaches are motivating, it's fun to run and lift and all those things, like I like the workouts, but what would happen was I would go to class, I would do the workout, I would pretty, I'd feel okay, you know, I'd have that cortisol, I'd have that adrenaline, like I'd be forcing my body to push out that cortisol, and then after the workout is when I would feel exhausted, like it would be a Tuesday and I'd be like, I need to go take a nap, but I had to work, you know what I mean? And I would just be struggling so much. Um, and if I wanted to like keep going, I needed like a coffee or something, but that workout would just exhaust me for the whole day. Um, and the other thing I started pay att paying attention to was HRV, which I know I've talked about a little bit here and there, but that's heart rate variability. And it gives you an idea of how your body is dealing and recovering from stress. And HRV started in the endurance training world. You know, athletes were using it to help them decide if their body was ready to train hard the next day. Um, but it has now come to the people. A lot of us are using it. Whoop uses it. Um, Aura Ring, a lot of these things. Apple Watch uses it to some extent um, with different, you know, training apps and things like that. I use one called Training Today. Um, it's free. It works with the Apple Watch. But there are a ton of 
there. And at, some, at one point I probably had five different HRV trackers. Um, but I can tell you, I ignored that HRV tracker for a long time. So even though I stopped Orange Theory and I was doing just strength training workouts at home or at OPEX, I was still ignoring it. Like I would see it and it would be red, like you need to take a recovery day today, like take it easy. And I would still work out. Um, so now I finally do read it and kind of assess like how my body's feeling and then decide if it's worth working out or not. But a lot of things go into HRV. So it's not just exercise, but you'll see exercise very much affects it. But I would do Orange Theory and the next day my HRV would plummet. It would just die. Um, and I would see that again and again and I would see that pattern and it took me months to be like, okay, this is not helping your situation right here. So it took me a really long time to come around to it and actually pay attention to it. But it can be really, really helpful as far as giving you data um, and kind of backing up your decision to take a rest day or to work out hard or maybe not as hard. Um, but other things influence it. So um, sleep will influence it, alcohol, alcohol will kill it, um, stress in general, um, autoimmune disease, illness, things like that. So I've had a cold the last few, day, few days and it's been pretty low. And then of course the weekend I had some wine, um, I stayed up late for the Super Bowl, I worked out, all these things, I have low HRV. So really it's just my body saying you need an extra rest day let's take it easy just be kind to yourself but I thought it was really helpful as far as just giving me that data because I had a really hard time cutting back on exercise because I liked it so much but again exercise can be a stressor if you're dealing with low cortisol um, so another thing you can try is eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet um, because if your body is struggling, you know, there's some sort of stress on the body. And if you're eating a lot of like processed foods, um, inflammatory foods, like kind of the common ones, and I'm not to say that you need to cut all these foods out of your diet, but if you're dealing with pain and inflammation and things like that, you know, gluten, dairy, refined sugar, soy, canola oil, um, corn, I think those are kind of like the common ones, but really paying attention to your diet and just cutting out the processed food and opting for more whole foods, fruits and veggies, um, good sources of meat. Um, I think all of those things can help bring down the inflammation and help you feel better. I think also getting enough carbs is really important. Again, if you're somebody who exercises or you want to be a regular exerciser, getting enough carbs can be really, really important as far as just feeling better. And I think women in general, were like afraid of carbs or if we eat carbs, we're gonna feel puffy or whatever it is. Carbs are really your body's preferred source of energy. They are so easy to use and utilize, especially before and after a workout, like you should be loading your diet with carbs. So people who are doing, keto or fasting or any of this stuff, like that can be pretty stressful on um, a body who is menstruating and doing the things um, as far as like hormones and exercise and all that goes. So um, just looking at the number of carbs you're eating and really trying to increase that number and increase it with like the good carbs, you know, squashes, um, fruits and roots, as I say to my clients, getting enough fruit. I mean, there was a period of time when I had high cortisol, I wasn't eating fruit because I was doing the whole macro thing and I was afraid of carbs and um, definitely not fueling my workouts, but I didn't eat fruit for like probably like a year or two, <laughs> like no fruit. Now I'm eating probably like three or four pieces of fruit a day because it is so good for you. But fruits and roots, um, they just have a lot of those easy to digest carbs. They have vitamins, they have minerals, they have antioxidants, they have like all that stuff um, and squashes and like those root vegetables. Those are also really easy to digest and they're just full with vitamins and minerals and your body loves that stuff. So really increasing your intake of carbs. And just to give you an idea, I would say most women could probably handle, you know, 200 
500 carbs or more per day. I mean, I try to get 200 to 250 and I can tell you I feel so much better energy-wise. Um, you could also go down like the legumes route, um, the grains route, um, you know, rice and oats and beans and all that good stuff are all good sources of carbs. But um, getting lots of those in is really important. Um, also making sure you're getting enough healthy fats um, because cholesterol is a precursor to all your steroid, hormo steroid hormones, um, including cortisol. So it's like, why is cortisol low? Is it because you were super stressed? Is it because you're not eating enough fat? And I'm talking about fat from like animal sources. I mean, fats from vegetables and avocados and all that, that's great, coconut, all great, but like really the good stuff is in those animal fats and eggs and um, meats and fish and all that. That's like really important for building cholesterol. So if you're somebody that has low cholesterol, um, again, looking at your diet and making sure you're getting good sources of meat, um, meat and animal proteins and things like that, eggs, cheese, all those, all those are good. Um, and I, I do think like this whole plant-based idea, um, it's not bad and not poo-pooing it, but I think if you're just eating plants, you're missing out on a lot of amino acids and really good nutritious things as far as vitamins and minerals and all that good stuff. So again, just looking at what you're doing, obviously I don't wanna push anybody in any direction. Um, another key thing is not letting your blood sugar levels get too low during the day or night. Um, and for people with low cortisol, I think it's important to have that steady blood sugar. So no intermittent fasting for you guys, no skipping meals. And if anything, I would say having more meals more frequently. So like having three meals and two snacks or doing like the mini meal things. I think that's almost better than going long periods of time between meals because you want to keep your blood sugar steady. It's like Goldilocks. You don't want it too high or too low. You want it right in the middle. So eating more frequently um, can make you feel more satisfied, more balanced. Um, and is easier as far as stress levels go. So don't be afraid to snack. I think a lot of women um, get down on themselves because they're like, oh, I need a snack. But if you need a snack between meals, that's okay. I think actually your um, HPA access would actually like that. Um, so don't be afraid to eat more frequently. And that was something that was key for me because I was like, oh, I should just have three meals a day. It doesn't work for everybody. And especially if you're dealing with low cortisol, like have a snack, have those mini meals um, because keeping that blood sugar steady, you're just gonna feel better and it's going to be less stress on the body. Um, avoiding caffeine and other stimulants. I know this is where like the fun police come in, um, but this, you know, essentially stresses the adrenals by forcing them to produce cortisol when there's no cortisol or cortisol is very, very low. So it's like beating a dead horse. Um, and I do have conversations with clients and sometimes you need a little caffeine to get you through the day. I get it. Um, but it should be in small doses and maybe it's something that you think about tapering off or going to decaf or doing one of those tea alternatives. I mean, I did Dandy Blend, did Ticino. I, I did all those things over the years as a way to um, get off the caffeine because, you know, like I said, it's like beating a dead horse. So um, trying to get away from those as much as possible. Um, and something that I do with my clients, again, this is something, talk to your doctor about or a practitioner. You can use licorice root, um, which works off the cortisol that's in your body, but it can extend the half-life of the cortisol that your body is making. So it can help you feel a little bit better in the morning and it can help you wean off caffeine or coffee or whatever it is. I mean, I hear it so many times that women are like, I need coffee to get going. I can't get out of bed. Once I have my coffee, I feel a lot better. Um, but again, you're kind of relying on this fake stimulus and it could be making things worse in the long run. 
Um, of course, removing alcohol and processed foods. Um, again, just putting more stress on the body. I mean, alcohol is technically a toxin. The body has to do something with it as far as like processing it out. And then same with processed foods. I mean, a lot of those are just chemicals and artificial sugars and all that stuff. And it can just be stressful on the body. Like the body doesn't want that stuff in it. Um, so just paying attention to what you're eating and um, being more mindful of getting more whole foods in. Um, and then these are some of the things that I have personally been doing that have been helpful. Um, so you could drink um, the adrenal cocktail, which I've been posting quite frequently. I have it every single day um, to help as far as replenishing vitamin C, potassium, and salt. Um, those are key things that can help as far as cortisol and adrenal health and HPA access health and all that. Um, but it's basically a half a cup or more of orange juice. Um, you mix that with... Um, I don't know, quarter to a half teaspoon of cream of tartare, which is kind of like this like powdery stuff, but um, it's really high in potassium. You could also do coconut water or coconut milk, also really high in potassium, and then putting um, as much sea salt in there as that you can handle. Sea salt or Celtic salt um, for its sodium. So you're getting vitamin C, potassium, and sodium. All those things are so, so good for your adrenals and just feeling better overall. I do it like every single day in the afternoon. Um, if you're worried about it spiking your blood sugar, you can eat it with a meal or drink it with a meal, which is sometimes what I'll do, I'll have it with my dinner. Or you can add collagen or um, gelatin or something like that to help better balance your blood sugar. Or you could do the coconut milk that has some fat in it. Um, but yeah, I do that every single day and I really do think it has helped. Um, and that those are the things that your body loses first when you are stressed out. Um, you can also just, you know, salt your food more. I salt everything. Um, you could drink salt water. Um, some people do that in the morning. I don't really like drinking salt water, but if you're into salt water, that's another good thing. Um, salt is, or sodium is one of the first things to leave your body when you are stressed. Um, so that could help out a lot. And then I really do think, um, addressing your lifestyle is the key thing. So paying attention to what's happening in your life at different levels, um, as far as work and relationships and kids and exercise and diet and all that stuff. Um, and you could even add in, you know, meditation and walking and prayers and journaling. You can do Epsom salt baths. It's a good way to get magnesium in and just sit in the bath. I know I'm probably talking to some people that are like, who has time to take a bath? I bought a big bag of Epsom salts being like, oh, this is going to be like a thing that I do. I have literally done it once. <laughs> so we'll keep working on that. We'll think, keep working on that. Um, I do think HRV is another great way to um, keep track of what your body is doing and how it was recovering. Um, but yeah, and then just opting for more low key exercise, um, as far as walking and yoga and Pilates, um, you know, if you love the Peloton, do like a low key ride instead of one of the high intensity rides. Um, you can pay attention to heart rate when you're working out and try not to get it too, too high. Um, or if you love high intensity exercise, so this is me, I feel like I am mostly recovered from this low cortisol, like things looked a lot more normal on my last Dutch. Um, but I did see it go from high to okay too low to back up to okay. So now I think I'm like recovering. Um, I still do CrossFit, but everyone's like, oh, isn't CrossFit super high intensity? CrossFit workouts for the most part are 15 minutes or less of like high intensity stuff. I'd say most days are in like the 10 minute range. And I feel like my body can handle that. And I can tell you on like a Saturday workout where it's like 30 minutes or something, I do feel pretty exhausted. And if that's the case, I'll take off multiple 
rest days to let myself recover and like really pay attention to the HRV. Um, so I think you can get away with short bouts of high intensity exercise, but I'm talking like 10 minutes or less, you know, like really like that long endurance training is probably the worst, like training for a half marathon, running five miles every day. I think that's probably the worst if you are dealing with low um, cortisol. But remember, this is not forever. You don't have to ditch exercise altogether. I think you can find a happy medium, but I really do think taking more rest days, focusing on the strength training, just doing a little bit of cardio here and there would probably be okay, but being in tune with how your body is responding. So if you're exhausted after your workout, you're super duper sore, um, you're cranky, or you just have low mood, crappy mood after a workout, um, those could be all indicators that it is too much for you. So just doing your best to pay attention to that. Um, and then... Um, I had a few questions here that people had asked about cortisol that I just wrote down real quick. Um, somebody had wrote, she wrote, my energy seems to peak at night around 10 o'clock. Could that be due to adrenal fatigue? So uh, I'll just talk about this real quick. This is something I see too, that you get that like wired but tired feeling at night. And that could be because of an imbalanced cortisol um, pattern throughout the day. Um, so like I was saying, sometimes we'll see high cortisol in the morning. Sometimes we'll see it at night, but that's not ideal um, because at night your cortisol should really be at its lowest so you can go to bed and go to sleep. But if you're feeling that like tired and wired at night, it could be because of high cortisol. Could could be could be something else going on. It's hard to say, but really for that, it could just be trying to um, manage stress a little bit better, manage the blood sugar better, um, and really trying to wind down at night to get rid of that like wired and tired feeling. But I do see that sometimes with clients, especially um, on the Dutch. All right. Um, okay, so let me talk about, I was just going over my notes. I had a lot of notes on this. A lot of stuff to say about this, guys. Like I said, I see this with clients. I live this. I feel like I'm coming out on the other side. So I just want to share everything that I know so you don't have to suffer through low cortisol because it is miserable, like just the lightheadedness and the headaches. Oh yeah, headaches could be another thing. Oh, it was miserable. And I just like wasn't a happy person. I just like didn't have that same, I don't know, enthusiasm and positivity that I normally do. <laughs> um, but as a way to or test cortisol, because if you're like, I think this could be BE, I'm not sure. I kind of have some high cortisol symptoms, but low cortisol symptoms, I kind of want to know where I am. It can be really helpful to test because then you know what's going on and you have a path to follow. Um, and I was, I was saying to my group coaching clients today, um, I do think sometimes we're doing like the throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, like trying different things, but not really knowing what to do. Um, and I think with low cortisol, like you're feeling all these crappy things and you're like, is it my hormones? Is it cortisol? I don't really know. So doing a test can just give you information. Like, yes, you have low cortisol. Now you can do some of the things that I talked about. Um, and there are, you know, supplements and stuff like that. You can do glandulars. Um, you can do adaptogens. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do as far as like helping your adrenal health and everything. But of course, I always go back to the nutrition and mineral balancing first. But um, as a way to test um, saliva, um, that might be something that you might be able to get from your primary care doctor. I think that's pretty common. Um, but you're literally like spitting into a little vial and they measure the amount of cortisol 
in your saliva over usually like 24 hours. Um, that could be a good test. Um, Dutch does that. I mean, it's an option on the Dutch test. I like the Dutch Complete. It's a urine test. That's another way to test cortisol through the metabolites. But you also get an idea what your sex hormones are doing. So I think that's like more of a comprehensive picture of what's going on. Um, and the Dutch is super easy, super accessible. You do it all at home. You don't need to go to the doctor's office and get a blood draw and all that. Um, you literally just pee on these little strips of paper, let them dry, send them off to the lab. It's super straightforward and easy. And you're taking multiple samples, so you get an idea of what your cortisol is doing throughout the day. And there is a very you know specific pattern that we want to see with certain peaks and valleys um, that's considered normal, but it can give you an idea of what your cortisol is doing throughout the day. Um, but it's really helpful as far as determining high cortisol, low cortisol, high cortisol becoming lower cortisol. Um, so it just gives you a lot of good information and it's a good way to track that. Um, and like I said, you get an idea of what's going on with the sex hormones too, as far as estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, because those can make you feel like crap too. <laughs> or feel good, depending on where they are. But anyways, I offer this test to one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, if you're interested in working together, you can find more information on my website. Um, you can apply to work with us. You can set up a discovery call if you wanna chat with me about your individual situation. Um, more than happy to chat. I do think sometimes that's really helpful to give you an idea of what's going on with you and what you know we're working towards as far as the testing and the protocol and all that. Um, but it's, you know, it's an at-home test, it's super easy, and I do think it gives you a ton of information. And then, of course, you can retest and see how things are improving. Um, and that was really motivating for me to be like, oh, I'm feeling better and my test results are better. Um, but I love it. I, I think the Dutch test is amazing. It just gives you so much information. So um, we're open for clients. Um, we just had a few people wrap up, so we probably have... I don't know, two, three, four spots open. So if you wanna work with us, you wanna do this test, we'd love to have you. Um, and like I said, we do, we cre I create a protocol for you with very specific action items for you um, as far as what to do. Cause yeah, there's like a million things that you can do to make this better. Um, but for us, it's really trying to identify um, one thing or two things for the client to work on and really having them be accountable to themselves and their coach to get these things done. Because like I said, I can tell you to manage stress all day long, but if you don't do it, you're not gonna see changes. So um, working with a coach, I feel like just gets you so much further as far as your goals and um, feeling better. And of course we take a more holistic approach in the sense that we are looking at diet, we're looking at exercise and lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, we might add in some supplements here and there. I'm not a crazy supplementer, um, but I do think things like licorice or an adaptogen or, you know, uh, glandular or something like that can help as far as boosting those adrenals. Um, and helping you just feel better overall because this whole idea of low cortisol, adrenal fatigue, you know, all the things that you heard, um, it took you a while to get there, so it can take you a while to get out of it, but if you have a focused, concentrated protocol, um, you can get out of it a lot quicker. Um, and I think between my Ryan test where things were, <laughs> <laughs> the high cortisol was becoming low and my uh, low one and my new one where I was like, okay, cortisol is coming back. It was probably only like a year and a half. It wasn't, it wasn't too, too bad, um, but it takes time. It takes time. But if you know what to do and you have a path, um, you can very much do it and start to feel better.
Okay, guys, I hope you found this helpful. Um, this is a hot topic for me and my clients, so I wanted to give you all the details and all the information, and again, just remind you that this takes time and patience, um, but if you're willing to do that, um, you will start to feel better, and you can get back to exercising and doing all the things that you love. All right, guys, have a great day. I'll see you later.